And God's people said, Amen. Amen. That was beautiful, wasn't it? I love God's attributes. In fact, we're going to be looking at several of God's attributes tonight in Psalm 139. Turn in your Bibles to Psalm 139. Appreciate that special number. That was beautiful. Someone said, who's preaching tonight? Said, Pastor Mian is. All right, we're going to get out early. <laughs> I can't promise you that, but we'll, we'll see how the Lord leads us, okay? We're going to ask the Lord to lead us. Psalm 139, we're going to be looking at our infinite God, yet intimate God. Let's ask the Lord's blessing. Father, thank you for this Sunday night. Thank you for your people that are faithful to the services, and thank you, Father, for the opportunity to share your word tonight. We do pray, Father, for the requests that have been mentioned. Uh, Mrs. Crowder, Lord, continue to uh, heal her body. Um, the Woodfin, Mrs. Woodfin, pray for her tonight as well. We ask that you would bless our mission team, Lord, in New York. Give them fruit for their labor. And Lord, I pray that tonight you would be honored and glorified in what is said and done. Father, I pray that you would direct my thinking, that you would direct my words. In Jesus' name, amen. Psalm 139, infinite God, yet intimate God. That's what we find in this psalm. And let's take a moment to read the psalm. It's an amazing psalm. Psalm 139. And uh, we'll start there at verse 1. O Lord... Thou hast searched me and known me. Thou knowest my downsitting and mine uprising. Thou understandest my thought afar off. Thou compasseth my path and my lying down and art acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word in my tongue, but lo, O Lord, thou knowest it altogether. Thou hast beset me behind and before and laid thine hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain unto it. Whither shall I go from thy spirit? Or whither shall I free, flee from thy presence? If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me, and thy right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, even the night shall be light about me. Yea, the darkness hideth not from thee, but the night shineth as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to thee. For thou hast possessed my reins. Thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. My substance was not hid from thee. When I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lowest part of the earth, thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect, and in thy book all my members were written, which his continuance were fashioned, when as yet there was none of them 
How precious are thy thoughts unto me, O God! How great is the sum of them! If I should count them, they are more in number than the sand. When I awake, I am still with thee. Surely thou wilt slay the wicked, O God. Depart from me, therefore, ye, blood, ye bloody men. For they speak against thee wickedly. And thine enemies take thy name in vain. Do not I hate them, O Lord, that hate thee? And am not I grieved with those that rise up against thee? I hate them with perfect hatred. I count them mine enemies. And then he concludes with these two powerful verses. Verse 23 and 24. Would you read these verses with me out loud? Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any wicked way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. This is an incredible psalm. I love the psalms. They're such an encouragement. Uh, very uh, devotional. But these are amazing words. Uh, the psalm that the psalm gives us is a towering view of God. An incredible view of who God is. The book of Psalms is rich with poetry, praise, joy, sorrow, and more. It was written by several authors. One of the main ones was obviously King David. And uh, there are seven major types of psalms found in the, book, in the psalms. Lament psalms, thanksgiving psalms, uh, enthronement psalms, messianic psalms, uh, royal psalms, uh, wisdom psalms. In this psalm, we see God is infinite, but he's also intimate. He is high and lifted up, but he's also humble and near to his people. Nothing is more important in our Christian life than to have a proper view of God, a proper understanding of who God is. And this psalm directs us to a proper view of God. That's who we see in these psalms. We see a God in verses 1 through 6. We see a God that is omniscient. A God that is all-knowing. That's what David describes in, psalm, in verses 1 through 6. In verses 7 through 12, he describes God's omnipresence. God is everywhere at all times. And then in verses 13 through 18, he describes God's creating power or God's omnipotence. And then in verses 19, 19 through 22, we see the vengeance of God. And then at the end, we see 23 and 24, we see God's holiness. We must have a proper view of God, and this psalm gives us that. And it's divided very well for us. So in the first section, verses 1 through 6, David is describing a God who knows everything. We call that omniscience, God's omniscience. God knows everything and in this psalm, the, the psalmist says, O Lord, thou hast searched me 
and known me. This, this, is, this is incredible here. There is no one else that knows us better than our God. God knows you better than anybody else, but the word here, search, is the word to dig. Literally, what this man is saying is, oh Lord, you dig me. Not, now that is how up to date the Bible is. That word means dig, to dig. You dig, but he's talking about how God digs into us and knows us. And there is no, there is nothing that God does not know about us. Searched us. We have a God who searches, a God who seeks. He's a searching God. You've heard of search engines. The most popular one is what? Google. How many guys Googled something today? Maybe you did, maybe you didn't. But before those search engines appeared, God was already searching. He says, he is, he's, this psalmist says, Lord, the Lord has searched me. And he searches in a way that he digs down deep into who we are. So it's no surprise that the word dig has come to mean in English to know or to understand. You've heard it, you dig me, right? You understand, you know what I'm saying. You dig this, man. Well, that's the way the psalmist begins this psalm. Oh Lord, you have searched me and known me. So how much does God know of you? Is there any part of you that God does not know? How well does he know you? I would venture to say God knows us better than we know ourselves. I think I know my wife well, but boy, God knows her better than I do. And uh, how many of you, how many people truly know you? Not the, uh, not the public you, not the Facebook you, not the Instagram you, not the social media you, but how many people would you say truly, authentically know you, the real you? Maybe five? Maybe one? I don't know. I mean, can you, can you imagine how many God truly knows who we are? He searches us. And he knows us. And uh, he sees the good. But he also sees the bad. And he also sees the ugly. And uh, I won't get into any illustrations there, okay? But I think we, we understand God sees, God knows everything about us perfectly, thoroughly. I mean, this, this should be comforting to us. 
right? This should be comforting that, that we have a God who takes the time to search down deep into the microscopic parts of our hearts. And he knows exactly what we're like. But not only that, look at verse 2. He says, thou knowest my downsitting and mine uprising. Thou understandest my thought afar. He knows your thoughts. He knows what you're thinking right now. What are you thinking right now? Don't tell. Please do not say anything out loud. But what are you, are you thinking about? What snacks you're going to have after church? How much uh, dessert was left over from lunch? Thinking about the week, maybe how busy it's going to be. Thinking about life, decisions maybe that need to be made. This is intriguing because he says that the idea here is that God knows our thoughts and then he knows he knows everything that we are thinking, and that's how wonderful, that's how omniscient God is. I mean, he not only knows my thoughts, but he knows your thoughts and your thoughts and your thoughts and your thoughts and your thoughts all at the same time, and he can keep them in order. Isn't that incredible? That's great administration. I wish I could administrate like that. Uh, but one day brings about many things, and I can be very forgetful about this thing or that thing. But we have a God who knows our thoughts, who knows what you're thinking today, right now, who knows what your plans are for tomorrow. And then in verse 3, he says, Thou compassest my path, or scrutinize, you scrutinize my path, my lying down and art acquainted with all my ways. Boy, God knows exactly where we're going. God knows, uh, God knows before we leave, when we leave, when we get there, when we come back. I mean, God knows everything, knows every path you take. You know, with God, you're never offline. Sometimes I look at my phone and try to track my wife. How many of you guys try to do that? Anybody try to do that? You try to track your teenager or your wife? And sometimes I'm trying to track her, and then it says offline. She's offline. Well, wait a minute. Where did she go? I know she didn't disappear off the planet. I remember one time I was trying to track her, and then it said that she was inside. She, the car had gone into a reservoir somewhere. But with God, we're never offline. You're never untraceable, untrackable. You're never off-grid. God knows us. God knows exactly where we're at. He's a wonderful God. He's an omniscient God. So He knows us. He knows our thoughts. He knows our daily, He says, sitting down, lying down, our ways, and then verse 4, he says, For there is not a word in my tongue. For there is not a word in my tongue, he says, but lo, he's amazed. Thou knowest it all together. 
He knows your words. In fact, he says there, he knows them before they come out of your mouth. Isn't that incredible? Before you said what you said, God knew you were going to say that. So be careful with what you say. Be careful with what you say. God knows our words even before they come out of our mouths. This was a thought that always struck me as we did mission trips and we took people to different countries that spoke different languages. Something that, that, that struck the, the team of the teens that were there is that, that whatever the language people were speaking, God heard them in their prayers. Didn't matter what language they were speaking. God knows English. Amen? God knows Spanish. Hola. God speaks every language. Every word. God understands it. We have a Spanish Sunday school at the church. They spend time in prayer in Spanish. They're praying in Spanish. And God hears their prayers in Spanish. Amen? God hears our prayers. The words that come out of our mouths, he says, God knows the words even before they come out. But then he says in verse 5, Thou hast beset me behind and before and laid thy hand upon me. God is all around us. God is above us. God is before us. God is behind us. God is under us. God is all over us. He has beset us. And he's put his hand upon us. He's put his hand upon us. In other words, that hand is there to direct us and to guide us and to move us to where he wants us to go. So in these first verses, he says that God knows me. He says, such knowledge, verse number six, such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain unto it. He is simply overwhelmed by the fact that God knows him. And God knows him thoroughly and better than anybody else would know him. Isn't that amazing? We truly have a wonderful God that knows us perfectly and thoroughly. Man, and that's, this is something that you really don't even have to explain to him who you are. Have you ever tried to explain to somebody who you are? I remember in Charleston once, Someone was looking at it and says, I just don't understand who you are. Where are you from? You speak English, you speak Spanish, but what are you? And, uh, and so I'm trying to explain to her, here's what happened, here's what's going on. You know what, with God, you don't have to do any explaining. He knows exactly who you are. Praise the Lord. And then he goes in this second paragraph, he goes from knowing us to second paragraph, David explains how near God is to us. How near God is to us. 
How far does God go? Can I avoid God? Can I go somewhere where God is not? How many times have you asked, Lord, how can I get away from you? Maybe in in guilt, uh, trying to escape. But in reality, you cannot avoid God. Jonah tried to run from God, but he found out he couldn't. And we can't either. Notice what verse uh, verse 8 says, If I ascend into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. And so these statements just declare that God is omnipresent. God is everywhere. Uh, God is here. God is there. God is everywhere. And uh, notice in verse 9, he says, If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost part, that... That, that supposition, right? If I take the wings of morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea. Even there, thy hand shall lead me. The uttermost parts of the sea. Can man even dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea? I think we found out this week with that submersible man trying to go to depths of the sea in that tragic loss. David is saying, if I dwelt in the uttermost parts of the sea, but even God is there. In verse 13, so we go from God's omniscience to God's omnipresence to God being the creator. Verse number 13, he says, for thou hast possessed my reins. In this section, he is examining himself. And he is amazed at the vitality and complexity of the forces in his own body which are essential to life. But these these forces in his body have no, he has no control over. Yet they are essential to his life. Have you ever stopped to think how much your life is dependent upon those things Forces working inside of you. If any one of those stopped, you and I would die quickly. For example, have you ever thought about your heart? It's probably thumping right now. How many are thankful for your heart? I mean, if, if your heart stops, that's the end of our life. And yet, David here is amazed at the fact that there are, that God created him in the complexities 
of that. Yet God was, was creator over that. What about your lungs? How many are thankful for your lungs? Praise the Lord for our lungs. I mean, you got, what about your stomach? How many are thankful for your stomach? Some of you, some of us have bigger stomachs than others. But how all of this works, you have your heart pumping blood, you have your lungs pumping air. I don't mean to be too graphic, but God gave you intestines. And these are all things that God gave us when he created us. Our liver, our kidneys. And yet David is saying in verse uh, 17, he says, How precious also are thy thoughts unto me, O God, how great is the sum of them. He says, if I should count them, they are more number than the sand. When I awake, I am still with thee. He is overwhelmed. He is amazed at God's creation, how God created him. Going back to verse 16, uh, very quickly here, I want to make a note of this. He says, thine eyes did see my substance. This verse is talking about Conception of life. There is no clearer statement that life begins at conception than this verse right here, verse 16. God sees him as an unformed embryo. Life begins at conception. That's what David is saying. And in verse 17, he says, when I understand this, when I when I see, when I know God's knowledge that grips me, and that should grip us as well. Not only should it grip us, but having this knowledge of God, that he is all-powerful, he is creator, that God is omniscient, that he knows all about us, that God is present everywhere, this should bring comfort to us. This should bring stability to us. This should bring security. God is not only infinite, but he's intimate. Now, let's go down to the last two verses, and we'll finish with this. This is David's response. This is David's response to this. He's been describing God to us. But then notice his response. He says, search me, O God, and know my heart. In verse 1, he said, thou hast searched me. But now in verse 23, he's saying, search me, O God. He is in search of the searcher. David is inviting God to search his heart, to search his thoughts. He is in search of the searcher. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me. Test me. He's opening himself up to God. He's allowing God to come into his heart, his thoughts, 
the most intimate part of himself. And he says, search me. And he says, know my thoughts. That word thoughts is the word for anxieties. So know my anxieties. Or you could say, he's saying, know my anxious thoughts. And see if there be any wicked way in me. That word wicked is the word sorrowful or idolatrous. And he says, lead me in the way everlasting. So he gives, there are three things here I want to end with. Number one, David is asking for a clean heart. David is asking for a clean heart. He knows that our hearts can be defiled. He knows that our hearts can have wickedness. And yet he is asking God for a clean heart. As we ask God to search our hearts, we need to ask God to search down deep in our hearts and to ask God for a clean heart. Is there anything between you and God today? Is there anything that is in the way between your relationship and God? So David is asking for a clean heart. But then he's asking for a strengthened heart. Because he says there, uh, and know my anxieties. Boy, we live in an age where we worry about everything. Right? We all do it. We're all guilty. We worry about everything. God says, trust me, and we worry about it. Philippians says, be anxious for what? For nothing. So David asked for a clean heart, but he also asked for a strengthened heart. Know my thoughts. Know my anxious thoughts. And then he ends there with, and lead me in the way everlasting. David is saying, I will follow you. Keep leading me, Lord. Lead me in the way everlasting. I want to follow your way. I want to follow your will, your, your plan, and your purpose for my life. What he is saying here at the end here is he wants to live for eternity. Lead me in the way everlasting. David is saying, I want to live for eternity. And isn't that what our prayer should be as well? Jonathan Edwards said that he stamped, he wanted to stamp eternity on his eyeballs. He wanted to see eternity wherever he turned. Are you living for eternity? Or are you just living for the now and now? So how can we live for eternity? Well, you, can, you and I can start by such simple things. Man, this is, I mean, it's just simple things. Something as simple as doing your devotions tomorrow morning. Being in God's word, drawing from God 
and his word the things that we need for life. Living for eternity. What about being a witness? Sharing Christ with others. Uh, taking the time to stop and share gospel with a uh, gospel tract with someone. Maybe saying an encouraging word to someone that, that, uh, that maybe you notice is down. There are people all around Huntsville that need to hear the gospel. There are people all around us that need Christ, that need to hear about God's love. So David is saying there, God, I want a, a heart that is clean. I want a heart that is strengthened. And I want a heart that is devoted to eternity. So we must be totally transparent with God, just as David was transparent with God. It takes humility. It takes a lot of humility to come before God and pray a prayer like that. I hope you and I can do that. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. I pray that it would be challenging and encouraging as well. Lord, I pray that you would search our hearts and know us, try us. Father, we want a heart that is clean in your eyes. Lord, help us to be confessing sin and confessing it immediately. Lord, allowing you to search us and to speak to us and to draw uh, attention maybe to areas that, uh, that we might be forgetful about. So search us, Lord. And I pray that you would help us to, Lord, be devoted to living for you and living for eternity. And Father, I pray that you would give us fruit for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. God bless you.